Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival and Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. I'm your host, John Brooks. With me, as always, is co-host Kevin Miller. Learning something every day. Yes, yes. We're back. Back together, baby. Yeah, we are. I think you're uh, leading up to the fact that you've been on the road surfing for six of the last eight weeks. (laughs) Something like that. I feel like Gregory Hines in the movie Running Scared, where the little kid kind of eyeballs him when he opens the door and like shuts the door on him he's like he's like a little dick behind his mom you know you remember this scene in running scared i don't so billy crystal and gregory hines are investigating a crime they go they're chicago cops they go to the door and uh this mom answers the door she gives them whatever like an explanation but behind her is this little kid and he's like sticking his tongue out and flicking off Gregory Hines. <laughs> and so after the they question him or whatever, the, he, she closes the door and they start to walk away. And then Gregory Hines pauses for a second, goes back to the door. He knocks on the door and then the little kid opens the door and Gregory Hines gives him double middle fingers and goes, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's a, also a spoiled little brat, you know, his character, you know. <laughs> It was like, anyway, I thought that's a really good scene. That's what you feel like right now, huh? Yeah, that's how I feel with uh, your quality waves and all that. Now, I'm really happy for you because, uh, you know, there comes a time in uh, life where you need to take advantage of your situation. And right now is a great time for you to go out and just score. You got Australia, you got Costa Rica. I mean, Pavonis is one of our favorite waves. One of our greatest sponsors of all time, Brian Lehman. 
wealth management yeah is uh taking up some residents down there and we may or may not part-time part-time residents yeah second home oh we're gonna be writing off every trip we go down there I don't know. I, I actually think it's really good for you to get down there and get some. I think you lost 20 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have lost some weight. So okay. All this surfing. But uh, yeah, started off with a month in Australia where I met our guest today, um, Emiliano Cataldi, who is an Italian uh, transplant to Byron Bay. He's been in Byron Bay now for, I think, about 15 years, um, but has a rich surfing history uh, starting in Italy. Uh, traveling the world, the guy's been to, I think it's 50 or 70 different countries and surfed in these, I mean, it's it's amazing. Wow. The guy's one of the most well-traveled guys I've ever met. This would be example number two of a podcast I haven't heard before I'm doing the intro, and now I'm going to be like one of us that just gets to listen yeah. on my way home from whatever, and uh, you've you've scored gold from what I've heard, and I can't wait to listen. Yeah, due due to the time difference and the lack of uh, Wi-Fi in certain areas, um, yeah, I had to have a go on my own on this one. But yeah, everybody surfs in the morning, so you got to do it in the afternoon, right? Yeah, it was a fantastic um, just event, just hanging out uh, at Emmy, his farm there in um, Broken Head, right outside of Byron Bay, lives down yeah. the street from uh, Greeno and Rasta and all those guys. And, yeah, and now he's got a balloon company right he takes yeah, people ba- on balloons balloon. aloft byron um so cool like it's cool never even knew i wanted to ride in a hot air balloon until i saw it and then i was like oh my god i want to do that <laughs> wow i have never been on one and i'm don't try, like i like control yeah and, and the idea of not having control and where that thing goes is unreal to me i mean i know he's got it down to a science you can't you do control where it goes it's uh but the wind is what Basically, the wind is your rudder. Okay. The wind tells you where you're going to go. And so... So you don't control it. The wind controls it. I thought that I was a pretty astute observer of the weather. Being a a hardcore surfer, like I'm looking at it every day. I'm looking at weather patterns. I'm looking at wind. I'm looking at swell. I'm looking at all that. Emmy makes me look like an amateur. The guy, the guy's like, um, at nine fifteen, the wind's gonna go from five miles an hour to six miles an hour, and it's gonna change from southwest to south southwest. Like, you hear that surf line? But his life depends on it because that balloon only yeah. goes where the wind blows. So it's it's amazing. It's a pretty fascinating um, job, I guess. Right. Career. Well, maybe but, uh, we yeah. should talk to him before we go surfing, rather than look on the internet. If you're in Byron Bay, yeah, he's the guy to talk to in terms of what the wind is doing. But, um, yeah, I had a fantastic chat with Emmy uh, about his kind of origin stories, you know, growing up surfing in uh, Italy and starting out as a windsurfer and um, the influence that uh, John Milius' great film Big Wednesday had on his life, but also on just Italian surf culture in general. Yeah. and yeah, some amazing uh, stories and some crazy harrowing stories that uh, we'll get into in this episode. So, okay, yeah. can't wait. Enjoy a, a chat with Emmy. You. Yeah. There's my you. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'm sitting here with Emiliano Cataldi, is that, you pronounce it right? Yep. Emiliano? Good pronunciation. All right, all right. But uh, go by Emmy for yeah, short? go by Emmy, 
Yeah, and uh, originally from uh, Italy. Yeah, originally from Rome. From Rome, okay. And then, how old were you when you moved to the coast? Um, well, common misconception is it is that Rome is away from the coast, but Rome is actually really close to the coast. Oh, okay. Um, it only takes about twenty minutes. Okay. Um, I about to get back to your question. I did move by the beach in Rome, so just just south of Rome. When I was, I think about six. Okay. Oh, so yes, so you're super young. Yeah. So when I was born, my mom and dad used to live overseas in northern Africa, in Algeria. Okay. So I was born in Rome. Then we moved back there, and then I lived there until I was six. And then at that stage, that was about the time I needed to go to school. Mm-hmm. And then so mom and I moved back to Rome pretty much on the coast, and dad was flying in and out. Okay. And then that lasted for another four years, and he kind of moved back permanently when I was 10. Okay, so he was working in Algeria, yeah, and then just for a while commuting yeah. back yeah, and yeah. forth. Okay, he was spending probably most of. By the time I started school, he was spending most of the time at home in Rome, and just doing like work trips, like a couple of weeks at a time. But then he would be home for a month. All right, and I just want to set the stage for our listeners um, that can hear the rooster outside, and uh, it's pretty rad. We're sitting here in uh, Emmy and his partner Taylor's house in. Uh, Broken Head, just uh, a little south of Byron Bay, Australia, and uh, we just moved the the Chuck Pen <laughs> back down the hill, so they're probably happy, and that's why they're making noise. But um, we're on this beautiful piece of property, um, just in the hills, just a little bit off the beach, and um, man, it's really a beautiful place. And you guys, uh, I understand you guys built this house. We did, yes. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, Tay and I, with the help of um, under the guidance, I should say one builder friend nice and um yeah it took us about eight months just a little barn yeah and completely off the grid really yeah, yeah. Oh, i didn't know that yeah completely wow. off the grid so S- solar solar um rainwater Wait. oh that's amazing no builds wow yeah fantastic i know that's great yeah and then i've seen you have like lovely garden and chickens and cows and yeah the gardens are all um Taste creations and Ooh. baby. Okay. And then we got um, got about twelve chooks, two guinea fowls, um, a dog, three cats, two horses, one donkey, and there's a bunch of cows on the property. Nice. I hope the donkey makes some noise because his name's Garibaldi. Oh and yeah, he's right. He's amazing. Yeah, I got to feed him earlier. It was very cool. When um. When Tay was doing um, a course um, at TAFE, kind of animal care course, okay, she had to record a little ten-minute video, kind of one cut, uh huh, um, of kind of like her setup. Yeah. And so we went through the gardens and the chooks and all of that, and then we're moving towards the horses. She's like, "And that's my donkey, Garibaldi," and, and like <laughs> right on cue, he goes, "Oh, oh, oh." That was uh, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that, that was great. You could do that a hundred times. He probably wouldn't do it again. No, no, no. Yeah. Of oh, course. That, no, that's he's awesome. A, he's a donkey. He's, <laughs> uh, he does what he wants. Yeah, yeah. 
That's awesome. And then just for our American listeners, uh, chooks are chickens. Yes. I learned that when I got here. I didn't yeah, know yeah. that. But, uh, but yeah. Um, I think they have figured it out by now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. It's are roosters roosters in America as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still call them roosters. Yeah. But, but yeah, they, they don't call them chooks. They call them chickens, which yeah. is weird because they're all chickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all chickens. It's like you got roosters and chooks, but. I guess here the chicken is just the one you eat. Okay. I think. All right. Yeah. Which we don't, by the way, we don't, we're both vegetarian, so we don't eat. Right. You just have them for the eggs? Yeah. We just have them for the eggs. And also just, we're just suckers for animals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Every animal here is a pet. Well, and this, I mean, if you could see like this, it's like rolling hills and just sprawling land. And it, I mean, it would feel kind of incomplete without chickens yeah exactly. <laughs> it kind of yeah. goes with the landscape so um that's pretty amazing here comes bali the dog yep yep we'll hear bali throughout the episode which is awesome yeah. he's pretty fantastic so um so what's your first memory of surfing in italy my first memory of surfing in italy i was nine years old so that would be in 1985 and uh, we're on a family holiday about a, an hour south of Rome, um, really beautiful beach town, which has, funnily enough, it's got a, a really prominent headland, not unlike Cape Iron here. Okay. So it's very iconic. Yeah. In its silhouette and its shape. And it's got excellent beach breaks uh, either side of it. Okay. And uh, we were staying in this little hotel right on the beach. And... Um, at the time, windsurfing was really popular at mm-hmm. home, and so I was a little windsurfing grom, if you like. Okay. And my dad was a keen windsurfer, and um, we had a great week of, you know, summer, I think it was June, July, um, summer kind of windy conditions, you know, thermals, you know, in the afternoon, it always gets windy. Yeah. And um, so it was great. I was really stoked, you know. I was, yeah. I was windsurfed out, if that is even a term. <laughs> <coughs> and then one morning, um, I woke up and I just, you know, first thing I would do, I just, you know, run to the balcony, check the surf, check the conditions. And it was, there was not a breath of wind and it was glassy. And there were all these little leftover waves from the afternoon before. So okay. little windswell waves, kind of like. Florida. Yeah. You know, yes. Kind of like three foot Florida. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was so bummed. I remember I just I went to my dad. I was like, Dad, Dad, it's just like, it's terrible. There's no wind and there's all these waves. And he's just like, well, you can still surf him. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. With your board. You know, we'll just take the sail off and okay. off you go. And what's interesting is that my dad, didn't grow up as a surfer. My dad grew up in the mountains, so he only started windsurfing later in life. He start, he learned how to swim probably in his 20s. Oh, wow. So I don't know where he got the idea. Yeah. But, you know, when you're a parent, like, you would do anything to kind of <laughs> keep your kids entertained. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah. So <coughs> the poor guy, he ended up spending about six hours on this little sandbank pushing me into little waves. Yeah. And I was hooked. Oh, yeah. You know, was my, while my mom was filming from the from the balcony of the room. So I still have footage of that. Oh, nice. Yeah, of my very first wave. Well, yeah, most people don't have that. And, um, yeah, and then I was hooked. And, and 
I never windsurfed ever again. I was really like, I, yeah, ditched the sail there and there. <laughs> That's it. So now, when you were windsurfing, were you trying to ride waves, or were you just trying to be on flat water, go fast? Um, well, because normally, if you do it in open water where there's wind, there's some sort of waves. Sure, you know. So on the, when you tack on the way back to shore, you you sort of ride waves, so you get a bit of a feel. Okay, what it's like riding waves, but. To be honest with you, I was most, I, I was kind of most more interested in in kind of jumping off the waves on my way out. Yeah, so going into waves, yeah, into waves rather than then, go and with then them, trying to get a little bit of airtime. Sure, sure. Um, which you know I failed. I was only nine, and yeah, you know, this big, you know, windsurf boards of the eighties. Yeah, they were kind of clumsy, huh? Yeah, it's just like it's not <laughs> way. I, I would watch these videos of Robbie Nash, and I thought that that's what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what I was doing. <laughs> But hey, nothing has changed. You know, fast forward you yeah. know, 40 years and, you know, still watch videos and I think that's yeah. what I'm doing, but that's not <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so how long did you have to ride the wind surfboard before you got like a proper surfboard? Um, so a, the proper surfboard probably arrived about three years later, but what I had in the meantime was these kind of baby wind surfboard. So okay. It's kind of like a, a, a mini windsurf rig that was kind of like tailored for um, young kids. Okay. And the board was only like 6 all And it was a, oh, a wow. chunky 6 all round nose, round tail, um, single fin. Okay. So think of a kind of beefed up hypto crypto. Okay. We're just like yeah. with, with a fin box on the deck where you could kind of put your mast and sail. Right. And then it had only one fin, kind of like a single fin at the back. Okay. And funnily enough, it, it worked a treat because it would, it would catch anything. Yeah. Because it was the thing was just like four, four inches thick. Oh, gosh. You know, and I was only like <laughs> probably 30 kilos. Yeah. Happy days. You know? <laughs> and so I, I rode that. For probably two or three years. And then I remember probably when I was about 12, for at the end of school, um, kind of my, my dad, my mom and dad gifted me a proper surfboard, which was an old Merrick. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was, well, a, that was a good birthday. Yeah, oh, yeah. Quad, you said? Quad, yeah, it nice. was a quad. It had a lot going on, but it was, yeah, it was this beautiful board and... Um, basically because where I lived, it was right next to the airport. Okay. There were a lot of, you know, people and friends working at the airport, you know, where they flight attendants or pilots or stuff like that. So there was a lot of them going to, especially to United States. And okay. They, you know, they would bring back surfboards and, you know, skateboards and whatever. So, yeah. Um, my mom and dad organized his neighbor to bring back a surfboard and funny enough of all things he brought back an old Merrick. Wow. So that would have been like late eighties? Um that was uh nineteen eighty eight. Eighty eight, wow. So yeah, I mean at that point I mean Curran was definitely yeah, on his not, on I, his way to be Curran. Yeah, I had no idea who he was yeah. at the time. Um and I was running this quad um with glassstone fins. Yeah, it was it was polished, so it was like oh nice shiny. Yeah, you know, and it still had the rainbow logos on the rails. Yeah, down the rails. Yeah, rails, yep. and then in in the middle, 
Yeah. So that probably would have been like a Davy Miller model because I think Davy was riding quads a lot in the 80s oh, and yep. he, he rode Al's boards. He was down in Ventura. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away that like that early on, I mean, now Al Merrick, you know, those boards are distributed globally, every country that has an ocean, you know, um, but back then, like, that's oh, amazing. Yeah. That yeah, it was full, it was full ages. Like and, and so the neighbor flew to California, purchased the board in California and then flew it back. Right. Yes. Yeah. So he was, I think he was doing, he was flying the, the Rome to LA route. Wow. Or Alitalia, which was the national airline at the time. Yeah. And he, you know, they normally had a three days layover. Okay. And like they would sleep the first day, shop the second day, then sleep the third day and then get ready to fly back. Yeah. And um, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, so when you got it at the time, did you know, did you know what you had? Like, no, I had it, no idea. You're just like, I was oh. like, oh, well, I, I thought, you know, I knew, oh, wow. Okay. So this is different. Sure. You know, but I had no idea that that was an old Merrick. I had no idea that that was a quad. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. This thing has four fins. Yeah. And it's really thin, And but it worked the treat for me. Oh, sure. Um, it was like, because it was still like probably like a six. So, yeah, and yeah. And I was only 12. So, yeah. You know, and, and I could surf already. So, I, I, you know, it worked. Yeah, perfect. And, and I had it till I was. Yeah, I, I think my um, I didn't get my next board until I was probably seventeen. Oh wow! So yeah. yeah, you kept that thing a long time. Yeah, and and same thing. Someone flew to Argentina. He brought back this board, which was completely opposite. It was like thin and narrow, and like <laughs> Trasta, super sharp glassstone fins, super low rails. Had a big logo that says "Anti Crowd." <laughs> <laughs> so that that was that was my second board. <laughs> and it was, you know, remember those boards at the time? They were so thin, and they this thing would have would have had like a four rounds on yeah. top on the deck, four rounds on the bottom, and that's it. Yeah. So the thing lasted probably like six months. Oh gosh, because yeah, that that what year would that would would that have been when you were seventeen? Well, then that would have been ninety one. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can blame Kelly for that one. Yeah. Well. I don't know, yeah, probably, but this came from Argentina, so but I don't know. the whole world, yeah, they, you know, he, he, everybody wanted to ride the boards that Kelly was riding, and they were just, yeah, yeah. those little glass slippers, you know, yeah. super thin, super narrow. This thing, you can actually squeeze it, and it would crease the, oh uh, it gosh, was like terrible, it was a really cheap board. Yeah, 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 nice, nice. I'm, now, I'm curious to go back to the... The windsurfer, the original, because I didn't know that they made windsurfers in like junior sizes yeah, for kids. Absolutely, so yeah. I learned something. Um, the fin on it was it? Did it have rake or yeah, was it absolutely. straight down? Yeah, it no, had, no, it, it had was, rake. It was a proper like what you would get on a, I guess on a mid length. Okay, so okay. It was a proper fin box. Nice. With, you know your little screw and a little kind of like square. Yeah. That knot that goes into that groove. Yeah, yeah. And you put the fin and you can move the fin back and forth and it was full, you know. Yeah, so that's sur- am- that's amazing because like any windsurfer I've ever seen, which I'll admit hasn't been very many, they had just the straight, almost yeah. like a keel on a sailboat. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, that one had a had a had proper, a- proper green o fin. Well, that's, I mean, that probably did so much for you. Like the fact that you took the sail off and were riding it 
if it would have had one of those straight up and down keels, it probably would have been way more difficult. Yeah, I wasn't doing much at the time. You know, I was like, you know, kind of like 12 and surfing. Like what literally our best day, especially, you know, having, you know, the waves I was surfing at the time, you know, I would just surf my local beach break, which on its best day, it's kind of just like an average to poor day. In Florida. Like Florida. You know, yeah. So for me, just standing up and getting a little bit of time traversing the wave, that that was a success. So there wasn't any turns or anything. But I was proficient in catching waves and standing up and riding the waves as far as I could. Nice, nice. You know. And anybody else surfing at that time with you? Like, uh, Well, I remember when I met other kids surfing and I was so stoked. Yeah. I was like, whoa, these kids are doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and because I hadn't met anyone else surfing so it took me a few i think yeah it took me yeah for the first two or three years i mostly surfed during the summer holidays and i would we would my my family would rent a beach house somewhere normally in random places but i remember there was this probably like what changed everything was when i was 12 and i and that was the year i got the old merrick we um, they rented a house on the east coast of Sardinia. You okay. Know, Sardinia gets heaps of waves, and that was in September, which, you know, and I remember we spent a month there, and I served 23 days in a row, <laughs> and I'll never forget it. And I, and I was, you know, by the end of it, I went back to school, and I was completely fried. Yeah. You know, my hair was bleached blonde, and like everyone was like, <laughs> what happened to you? And I'm just like, I've been surfing. Nice. You know, but, and, but I was on my own. There was no one there. Wow. So, like, I had no reference and no magazines, no nothing. So, I was just doing my thing, you know. Yeah. Just up, up in my mind, I still remember the first kind of green wave I caught, you know, and, and in my mind, that's what I wanted to do. I was like, this feels amazing. But yeah. I had n- absolutely no reference, no nothing. Yeah. There was n- I, I hadn't seen surfing on tv on a screen or on print no you had never seen a movie never seen anybody else ride a wave nothing wow completely um unaffected by kind of external influences yeah you just were like this feel uh, this feels good and i like it this feels good i know that when the wave kind of breaks this way i'm i'm going i want to be on the unbroken part of the wave right this feels great and you know and that's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's, you know, thinking about it, it still blows my mind. I was like, what, what was I thinking? Yeah, <laughs> like that, the intuition. To yeah, just like was, see it and go, yeah, that, that's what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh. So it was, um, so that that was, I remember that year, that September, um, September 88. And I remember because I think that was the year that they had maybe the Olympics in Korea. Okay. Seoul. Yeah. And I remember, so that was, you know, you have these random connections. Yeah, like date markers of life. Yeah, yeah. I was was in Sardinia. I was surfing and the Olympics were on. Oh, on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. And and to me, that was just like the best beach break ever, you know. And and for forevermore, I kept telling my friends, there's this beach break on the east coast of Australia, of uh, Sardinia. It's amazing. We... We have to go back there. You know, when, once you get a little bit older, you can start, you start traveling. And then yeah. eventually I did make it back there um, with 
couple of um, pros from California and a photographer. Okay. They were on a magazine trip and I was kind of traveling with them. I was like, that's this beach break. I remember that's where I started surfing and, and it was awesome. And then we showed up and it was just like this little cove and the waves are just terrible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like what I remembered, but yeah, you know, I was just like, it, it did the trick for me. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I still, um, I caught my first wave in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Um, and it was just probably a one foot wave. And same thing, it had like a little bit of like foamy white water on the top, but then like, and I, enough to allow me to catch it. And yep. then it, but then it, the white water backed off and it had like a clean green face. And I like angled a little tiny bit and just like went down that green face. And it was like really like short. And I just went until the fin hit, but I still remember it in my mind. Like I can picture the wave and I yeah, can picture it. And I, at the time I remember thinking like that was the most amazing thing I've yeah, ever yeah, done. You don't, you don't forget that. And in reality, I probably went 25 or 30 feet and then hit the sand. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah. It's amazing how your mind like captures those moments. And I know sometimes, sometimes I think that we shouldn't be that judgmental with um, beginners or yeah learners because you know that's that's what it feels like to them yeah you know and we just oh, look at that cook but, yeah uh, he's we were all there exactly we were yeah. all and, and cooks you know, and they're, they're having <laughs> yeah only that that wave that we're watching that it's kind of like a something that's changed your life forever yeah you know? so yeah sometimes awesome. i feel bad when i'm <laughs> when i get grumpy <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, but I, I hardly ever get grumpy in the surf yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to be if you're in the ocean. It's it yeah. can't be a bad day. You, you're already winning. Yes, yes. So, um, what was your first memory of like, um, seeing like an an outside external example of surfing? Not just like the kids that you saw in your hometown, but like a well, a magazine or a movie or something like that. Well, so I think I just want to. I just want to go back to when I actually saw the, those kids because those kids was just like a pack of kids um, from my hometown. And a couple of them I knew, but I had no idea that they would surf. Okay. And and they were ripping. Really? They were really good. They were just a little rat pack and they were, they were, they were ripping. Yeah. You know, I thought I was hot shot. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, I was just like, kind of like um, – out of the woods you know i'm just like completely self-thought i had no idea what i was doing yeah I, you know i thought i knew what was going on but these kids were just doing all these turns and i was just like whoa and were they on proper surfboards yes okay yes and you were at that time you were still on your windsurfer um no at that time i was on my um old married oh, okay and everyone was just like, wow, what did you, where did you get that board? And I was like, oh. How many fins are on that thing? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was just like paying me out um, for riding, you know, a board with that many fins. Yeah. But see, in a way, that kind of shaped the rest of my surfing life because I briefly surfed Thruster for probably 10 years. Okay. You know, but I always had like quads and single fins and stuff like that. And then... I completely ditched the thrusters. Yeah. Um, when I, oh no, probably like 20 years ago. So before yeah. I moved here. Yeah. Yeah, I was already on quads and stuff like that. I was like, oh, there's, there's, there's more to surfing than yeah. surfing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
I'm in the same I'm in the same boat. Yeah, you're in the same camp, but so, you also kind of just like started tweaking with your outline and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I just like experimenting with stuff, yeah. but yeah. What at that time were there surf magazines in Italy? Um, and you just didn't have access to them or were, were they not even there? No, not yet. Um that happened later. So when I was probably towards the end of high school, um what there was um, there was an, an, a windsurfing magazines. Okay. And then they started doing a little two or three pages surfing, uh, which was called wave surfing. Okay. Um, Were they Italian magazines? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Italian magazine. There was one and they had a little insert, so we would like wait for that you know, every two months <laughs> yeah. just to read those two pages. Wow. You know, and it was great. Yeah. You know, and, and they had... Probably one little snippet of, you know, what was happening in California. And that's probably when I saw my first picture of Tom Curran or someone like that. Gotcha. Um, and then, um, but mostly it was just like what was happening in other parts of Italy. And that was, that was you know, really um, fueled my curiosity. I was just like, whoa, it's like, there's waves in Tuscany and waves... You know, all these other places, and look at these guys rip, you know. Yeah. They, they got the photo in the magazine, you know, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And um, when did you see your first surf movie? My proper surf movie would have been in France, and I went and watched um, The Endless Summer 2. Okay. I was 17. Yeah. So 1993. Okay. Yeah, so that was my first, you know, that going to a venue to watch a surf movie, and it was huge. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because we had no access to any of that. Right, and so was that in like a, were they showing it at a surf shop, or were they showing it like no, in no. a proper theater? In, in a proper theater. Oh, nice. So it was, it was great. It was like going to the cinema. Yeah. But, you know, you're watching, you know, Wingnut and Pat O'Connell. Yeah. Costa Rica and France and Fiji and... South Africa and yeah, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Was that your first experience to other waves? Yeah, outside was, of Italy, that was my first overseas trip. Okay, yeah, wow, awesome. Um, yeah, but no, probably second. I went the year before. Yeah, to to France. To France, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's a rite of passage for us. <clears throat> we, you know, the first first. The closest ocean we have, it's the, the Atlantic coast of France. So you go to Biarritz. Okay. And um, I didn't I didn't actually go to Hoscore. I didn't even hear about Hoscore until I was probably 19. Oh, wow. And then someone's just like, you know, I would just surf Biarritz. And then someone's like, oh, you know that kind of around that headland there, there's all these other beaches at Anglais. Yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. So I just went there and I was like, whoa. So on top of the hill, all these little beaches and groins and uh, and waves everywhere. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And then, like a few years later, I heard about Hoscore, and I was like, "Oh, Hoscore!" <laughs> and then you hear about Spain, and then you hear about Portugal. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at the you would have just been surfing like Grand Plage <laughs> in Biarritz. It was Grand Plage and Côte de Basque. Yeah, that was that me. was it. Just like walk, walk, you know, I was staying in the middle. Yeah. Walk, wake up in the morning, walk down to the Grand Plage. Yeah. Surf there. And then, uh, you know, if it was too big, then we would walk to the... Yeah, Cote de Basque. Cote yeah. de Basque, you know. 
and and I remember that was the first time that I actually got to see tide in action because we don't have tide in the med in the Mediterranean. Really? Yeah, no I, tide. I'm learning a lot today. So um, I remember <coughs> very first time I went on my own, and then my friends, my two friends, arrived. That I think the next day, and at the time, you know, we just it took 24 hours on the train. So I was okay. 15. Got on the train 24 hours on my own. I just got crazy. <laughs> just, it, it was just like. Did you get the sleeper car or just sit nah, in the, you just nah, sat nah, in the seat? Just on the chair. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so I, I, next morning, just walked down and it was high tide. So the waves were breaking kind of close to, to the shore. Yeah. Then I went back in the afternoon and the waves were about half a kilometer out at sea. You know, you had to walk. There's just like this whole beach. And I'm just like, is this the same? <laughs> and I remember when, so I picked up my friends from the station the next morning. And I was like, guys, you wouldn't believe this place is so nuts. Like, there's this thing called tide. And like, in the morning, like the waves break on the shore. And in the afternoon, they break way out at sea. Wow. I like, no, you're tripping. I was like, no, I'll show you. <laughs> <coughs> so it was just like, it was all new. You yeah, know, we no yeah. We had no access to any information, so it was just like you had to work out things as you go. Yeah, and and at that point, you probably didn't have a concept of the fact that that changed every day. No, zero. Yeah. To me, it was just like, oh, this is the morning and this is the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. This is like, you know. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then you know how the, in France, they have massive tides. Yeah, huge, huge you know, tide so swing. It was yeah. Like, it was like, I was tripping. Yeah, was you'd, have, you'd have thought you went to a different beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. You know, literally the waste would change so much. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. So then, um, so now you're in your late teens. Yep. You're going to France a little bit. Yep. And then. And Spain. Into Spain. Yep. I remember my first trip to Spain. I met these older Italian surfers. And they kind of took me under the wings and said, oh, we, we're going to go to Spain. Nice. And, and you're coming. I was like, oh, I'm, I haven't told my mom and dad. <laughs> well, okay, we'll go. <laughs> and I remember we, so we went to San Sebastian and basically like, I thought we were going on a surf trip, but actually we we're going partying to San Sebastian for the night, but yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And um, so we arrived in San Sebastian and there's all these people on the streets. There's like thousands and thousands of people and all this massive street party. And I was just absolutely blown away. And it, within five minutes, I've lost my friends. Oh, no. I kind of re <laughs> I remember where the car is. And yeah. so I'm just like, well, look, I'll just, just go with the flow. And I was, you know, absolutely, you know, my eyes were so wide. And I was, yeah, it was incredible. And then like. <clears throat> and that's down like in the Parti Vieja? Yep, down there, yeah. Um, and I remember we were crossing from the new part to to the old part, uh -huh. and um, and then there was a massive explosion. So the the um, the Eta, uh -huh. um, they blew up um, a car on oh. the in the in the old part of town. Wow, in the new part of town, and so everyone started running wow. to the old part of town, and uh, and I remember. I was running with this crowd, thousands of people, and then I followed someone into a little shop, one of those places that, you know, the little tapas bar. Mm -hmm. And so we, we walked in there, and the owner just shut the, the roller door down, and right. it was like, okay, we're, we're all staying here until it, it 
Tolko. Yeah. So that yeah. was my first. You know, oh. like, I'm in Spain. I didn't tell my mom and dad. <laughs> it's just like midnight. I've lost my friends. And, you know, and there's uh, a terrorist bombing. Yeah, yeah, terrorist bombing. <laughs> and, I, and I think, oh, you know, I, I thought I was going on a surf trip, but yeah, you know, so that was, that was pretty wild. And then like I only, so what I did when things settled down, I walked back to the car, and and I waited for my friends. Yeah, and they rocked up at like six in the morning. Or oh like that, And I was just sitting by the car. I was like, that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> and did you guys go surf? Yeah, then then we went surfing. Uh, after right there in San Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, I think we served La Suriola. Okay. That, that um, beach break yeah. on the northern side of town. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, to me, it was just like, uh, my mind was so, it was so fresh. Yeah. Because there was no influence. Yeah. No external influence. So it was all what, what I would leave, you know. That of course, now... You know, kids are exposed to so much, but sure, yeah, they see it all on their phone. Yeah, you know, back then it was to me it was just like really fresh. Yeah, know? that would have been like that would have been mind blowing. Oh, it was, you know, it was unbelievable. And then, yeah, especially not not telling your parents where yeah, you no, were. No, then, then I told them, <clears throat> like I rang them. Then when we went back to France, I was like, you wouldn't believe what happened. I met these guys and went to Spain, and there was a bombing, <laughs> and it was. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Were you in trouble? No. No, good, good. No, no, it was, it awesome. was good. Your parents sound awesome then. Yeah, no, they, no, they, they were good, you know. Oh, that's great. And just, they, I just want to... They probably only know Yeah. 10% of, of all the mischief I got. Oh, well, yeah. That, I mean, that's standard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, d- I just want to touch on one thing for our list. Any of our listeners that don't wouldn't know what ETA is, it's like a Basque separatist group Correct. that yeah. the Basque region encompassing like northern Spain, southern France that have really deep roots, um, one of the oldest languages on the planet. Uh, yeah, and cultures. Yeah. And culture. And they would really pr- probably prefer to be their own country. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, their cause, um, you know, the separatist cause is, is one thing, and they got their own political movement and all that. Right. But the ETA is kind of like the arm. Right. The kind of the, the guerrilla side of things. Yeah. You know, which you may or may not agree with. Yeah. Methods, but yeah. Um, I just wanted to try to explain yeah, that for no, people that may yeah, not yeah. know. Um, and what what year would that have been? Um, that would have been nineteen ninety three. That's when I was there. Yeah, because yeah, I I went I went on a semester like a year abroad. Yep. And I was in nineteen ninety three in San Sebastian. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's crazy. And I can remember getting, I don't remember the car bombing, but I remember one morning, because I lived over by the Zuriola Beach. Yep. And then I'd walk across the Urubamba River. Yep. Is it Urubamba? I can't remember the name of the river. I, th- I think that's it, but maybe not. But I'd cross that river. I'd go over towards La Concha. Yep. And then up the road and the university was like up up the way, maybe like a half a mile or something. Yep. Um, and one morning I had just crossed the river and there was like a little bakery where I'd stop every morning and get uh, coffee and a croissant, chocolate croissant or something. And right as I got to there, there was like a big group of people and it was a full riot and I didn't know. And then I came around the corner and there was like all the police and they were, uh, in like the riot gear and like people just started running. They started shooting like the rubber bullets. Yeah. I, I guess that kind of stuff used to happen a lot. 
Yeah. Back in those days. Yeah. And like, I remember at the time, like watching the news and, and re looking in the paper and, um, what had happened was, a there was a, a female, um, that was like w in the political movement, uh, of ETA and she had been taken into custody by the Spanish government. And then she had passed away while she was in custody. Oh, so okay. they just were like, you guys murdered her. Yeah. So the town kind of went nuts for like three days. Yeah. Um, and like people were breaking windows in the banks and like spray painting Etta yep. on everything. And so, yeah, that's, oh, that's funny. We were there at the same time. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Uh, I used to go and stand in, in Parte Vieja. There was a Puka surf shop. I remember that. And I'd go stand and watch surf videos in the window same. at night. I think we've all done that. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Ah, interesting. And I would look at all these surfboards and, um, you know, all the wetsuits and all of that because, you know, back home we didn't have surf shops. Or yeah, wetsuits or anything. I remember, you know, uh, we used to um, our first wetsuits were um, um, diving suits. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, really uncomfortable, probably. Yeah, <laughs> super uncomfortable. But we had a beaver tail. Oh, and nice. That was like, you know, <laughs> we, did, we didn't know it at the time. Yeah. But that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. And I remember then another friend. Probably the same friend. No, yeah, same friend that got me the the board made in Argentina. He then brought from New York a Nike wetsuit for me, a three two. Ah, same probably nineteen ninety two. Yeah, and um, and that was cool. Yeah, you know, I had like knee pads and yeah, elbow pads, and it was it was really good, you know, for Nike. Yeah, you know, yeah, so that's like, crazy. I had no idea they were making suits that early. Yeah, and full surf, surf you know. Yeah. Surfing suit, you know. Yeah, back crazy. Zip and it was state of the art. Yeah. You know, way better than any other suit, you know. Very so for cool. Like about two years, I was hot <laughs> in, in my Nike. Yeah. You know, with, with the fluoro inserts and all that. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. 
However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And so in in the med there where you're surfing in Italy, is the, is the water, um, is it like warm some of the time and cold some of the time? Yes. So it goes from super warm in the summertime. Okay. As in just like you can fully trunk it. Okay. Um, for... I would say probably four months. Okay. And then there is a, you know, autumn and spring. So I decided summer, you probably need a butter tree too. And mm-hmm. then winter months, for about six months, it gets really cold. Really? And then this guy's cold as it gets. Oh, wow. So like you need a five, four, three booties, everything. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was relatively warm all no, the time. No, it, it gets, it gets actually, it gets really cold. Um, both yeah. the air and the water? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it gets freezing cold. Oh, interesting. Like you get snow on the beach and all of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not uncommon. And also, ironically, the water itself um, gets the coldest it gets. It's in uh, spring. Okay. Uh, late spring, because that's when the snow melts. Uh, and then goes down the It all runs so down. All the icy water <laughs> is literally ice. Oh, geez. Yeah. Now, when's the best? Like, uh, when's the best surf season? Like, when you get your best waves? I would say, I always tell friends, you know, if you want to go and get good waves, just go between October and December. Okay. Or even January, into January, for yep. sure. Um, that's when, statistically, you get the most waves and the best waves. Um, of course, then January starts getting cold. Yeah. So it's, you know, up until early December, you it's still quite pleasant okay especially you know what i was kind of in the middle and then I, I surfed a lot in the south um the north gets cold gotcha colder, okay um earlier and it stays colder for longer okay whereas the, the more south you go kind of like the more mellow it gets yeah to the point that you know you surf in sicily which is kind of further south and you know you get away with a three two even in the colder months okay and are there waves like up in like the very northern part, like up Everywhere. by the Cinque Terre? Oh yeah, up the, there. Fact, some of the best waves. In some of the you would have seen some of the um, clips that have come out the last few years. You know, you see um, this really beautiful kind of peak right and left. That's Barazze, and that is not far from the Cinque Terre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. And they get, um, yeah, they get really good waves. Gotcha. So quick. Okay. It's that area, up, a specific area up there is not as consistent because it's all reefs and deep water. So okay. The, so you, you do all the swell that you would normally, little wind swell, um, they don't really do much up there. Okay. You need like ground a swell. Proper ground swell. They're just excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And the waves, like a four to five foot wave is as good as anywhere in the world. Nice. 
Nice. Wow. Yeah, but you're in Italy, so your mind is blown because it's like there's all this history and these yeah. beautiful coves and ancient ports and ancient buildings. Yeah, you can so have it's it's a <coughs> it's a unique experience. You know, even now I I absolutely um, love surfing back home. Yeah, it's a unique experience. You can eat the best meal of your life and then go catch absolutely best wave of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. And I do want to take one second and go back because yep. w- we were talking about this the other night. Um, when uh, when the when Big Wednesday came yeah, and you right. said and I remember you telling me that that was like a really kind of seminal point in Absolutely, Italian totally. surf culture. So just just fill us in a little yeah, bit on so that. I think Big Wednesday came out in 1978. And they had a bunch of screenings in all the main beach towns on the coast, along the coast of Italy. And this is summertime, so all the outdoor cinemas are packed, all these towns are packed with all the city dwellers holidaying for three months. Right. In all these seaside towns and villages. And, um, yeah, so they, they toured the big Wednesday in these outdoor cinemas, and for some reason that literally started surfing in Italy overnight. Because, you know, there was all these young people and a lot of lifeguards. So they had a lot of water knowledge and a yeah. lot of people that, you know, windsurfing was huge at the time. So there were a lot of, quite a lot of surfboards, if you like, or boards. Right. And, you know, much like what happened to me, you know, they these guys were waiting for the windy days. But a lot of times they would get skunked and, you know, just look at go down the beach in the morning and it's glassy and maybe light offshore and, you know, <laughs> and there's all these little waves. And, and all of a sudden, like, those little waves started meaning something to them. It's like, hold on a second. Yeah. You know, that looks like, dude, we had a saying, you know, even nowadays, it's like, oh, it looks like California, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the classic glassy, you know, small mellow waves, you know, which we have plenty of. Yeah, yeah. So, um. Yeah, literally probably the next morning, I think, like, a lot of these lifeguards and, you know, young people, they just, you know, grab, grab whatever boards they could and paddled out. Yeah, everybody, started, everybody started ripping their sails off yeah, their windsurfers. Yeah, the <laughs> stayed in the, in, the, in the sheds. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that, that would have been amazing to, um, if you could have been like a fly on the wall and see these, all these ocean going people like you said lifeguards guys with knowledge of the ocean and the waves and seeing it on the screen and seeing somebody surfing being like wait a sec we we have that yeah yeah and actually because all these um most of these screenings were actually in at the beach clubs so people were actually standing in sand oh gosh near shot of the of the surf yeah and just like hold on a second yeah we well, can do that Right there. Yeah, full light bulb moment yeah, for those yeah, people. Absolutely. Yeah, but what's amazing is that kind of independently, because they were doing this, they were screening this thing up and down the coast, and like every community, it was like light bulb, light yeah, bulb, light bulb, like because these people weren't talking to one another. You know, they, they we weren't nearly as interconnected as we are. Sure. Okay, so sure, it was just like fully just like worked in every single thing. Yeah, in every single town. And so when a few years later, I, um, you know, we, John Milius came and visited Italy. He was on a little promo tour. Then um, I had the pleasure of, of 
kind of like showing him around. Really? And I told him the story and, and he was just like gobsmacked. He's like, what? Yeah. yeah. And so that, and also, you know, that, that there's a whole other side of it because then the, you know how in, in Big Wednesday they had um, the bear, yeah. band, which was something that they came up with just for the movie. Yep. But in Italy it became so popular that that, for many, many years, bear was the brand. Oh, like guys were actually making bear surfboards. Well, yes, but also clothing. And oh, bear, wow. Still to this day, bear is owned by Italians. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, basically like John had a share as one of the main, he was the okay. director, but also I think he was a producer. Uh-huh. So the producers had a share and then they, you know, it's kind of like, I think around the world was was kind of perceived a bit of a, a daggy brand but yeah. in italy because the movie was so popular and it was so important yeah in our surf culture that that was surfing so yeah like, so much so that you know probably 10 years down the track it was two italian surfing entrepreneurs that they bought the brand interesting and then you know they still own it and you know it's that's so cool yeah and that's how i got to meet um bo young who lives here who was a um, okay. Uh, bear. That's right. Athlete for yeah. many, many years. He won his two world titles. Yeah. Running for bears. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. It's funny. You could probably, if you had a, if you had like a, a map and a date range of when the movie like came down the coast or up the coast, you know, whichever way it started, you could probably, you could almost like point to a map and be like, so the surf industry in it, in Italy started in this town on Monday and yep. in this town on Tuesday. Correct. And here on Wednesday. That's yeah. amazing. And that probably, so that was, I, I like to think of those screenings as the kind of like the catalyst. Yeah. Because don't forget that, um, especially in, um, during World War Two. There were a lot of Americans based in Italy, yeah. American soldiers. Yeah. Um, and then all the way up to the 60s, um, there were a lot of American um, soldiers stationed in Italy because America, the, in America has a lot of bases there. You sure. Know, a lot of them are on the coast. And so a lot of these guys surf. And, yeah. Um, and so, you know, they most likely, they were the first to brought proper surfboards and probably left them behind. So there were, you know, a few okay. boards here yeah. and there. And so it was entirely new. But then when Big Wednesday came, that was just like, you know, because you get the full cinematic experience. And, sure. you know, that's what movies do to you. They're like, I want to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because the first person to have, um, having been credited to be the first person to surf in Italy was Peter Troy. So Australian okay. surfer who, you know, he he was the first to surf in a lot of places. Sure. Brazil and of all places, Italy. Yeah. So he yeah. wrote this letter to his mom saying there was a really cool book published a few years ago with all these letters that he wrote to his parents from all these places around the world. Wow. Mostly postcards and la da da And there's um, this two-page letter where he describes him surfing in Italy. Mm. Yeah, so that's um, that we we kind of cherish that as you know the beginning of surfing in Italy, nineteen sixty three. Wow, 
Wow. But as I said, not 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 much happened between then and then 1978. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. So when uh, so you were doing some trips. You're like late teens, early twenties. You're going to France. You're surfing there. When was your first trip? Um, like beyond that. Well, you know when you go on a trip. You you go there and then you hear another place and then you're just like oh actually I want to go there and then you you maybe you do go there and you yeah. stretch your budget and stretch your time and but yeah so I did France Spain Portugal and then Canary Islands after that I think it probably would have been first time to Indonesia okay I kind of just like had this giant leap I was just like. I heard of Bali and I'm just like, I got to go to Bali. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, and then I kind of filled the gap. You know, after that, I was just like, I always, I went back to Indonesia at least twice a year, but I kept, kept filling the gap. So I then started going to the States and then Hawaii and then Central America, South America, Africa, um, and then Asia and yeah. Australia. Nice. Yeah. And what are you what are you doing at this time in your life? What are you doing to fund that? Are you like coming home and like working, saving your money, and then going on trips? Uh, be, so there was a bit of that. Um, so I was in in um, at uni, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I was writing for Bear. Oh, I was okay. writing for Reef first, and then while well, I was writing for yeah, a bunch of companies, so Caden first, and then reef and then bear okay it was kind of like the, my last and big one yeah um and so like basically I, I would go and we would go and do trips and do photo trips so that oh nice kinda the, the trips were paid kind of paid for themselves gotcha we weren't making any money but yeah you, you're just you getting a free a, free trip you had a budget yeah oh that's amazing and yeah. were you competing in contests at the time or just more like free surfing I, role I, I i did i did a little bit um, I was never a good competitor. Um, um, I, you know, I did well in the in the Italian national tour, and then I qualified twice for the European um, championships, and I did that twice, and then I did the awards twice with ISA, and that's when I met Fernando. Okay. Also because I was with Reef at the time. Oh, okay. Fernando still had Reef. Yeah. And Santiago. Yep. Um, so. That was kind of like my competitive career, but in all honesty, like I was there for the good times. Yeah, you know, it yeah, was just like and and everyone else was so much better than me anyway. <laughs> I don't know so about that. I, I, I was just like, you know, it's. I've had the pleasure of surfing with Emmy for the last uh, couple of weeks here in Australia, and he's being modest. No, it's, <laughs> in all honesty, you know, it literally my my interest was elsewhere. So yeah. when you know, I I always. You know, I always enjoyed doing, you know, I really enjoyed doing photo trips, to be honest. Yeah. You know, that was that was a lot of fun, and I could surf on my own terms, and I could surf the ways I wanted, yeah. when I wanted, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was that was good, and kind of took me to, I think, 72 countries. Wow. So And, you know, I got to make lots of friends, and I had the pleasure to travel with some of the most traveled surfers on the planet, and knowledgeable, say, like, Guys like Randy Rarick and John Callahan and yeah, so you know they really showed me the ropes and taught me a lot. That's amazing about the world. Yeah, yeah, 
So, yeah, from small, um, clueless, <laughs> you know, kid running up windsurfboard. Yeah. You know. I mean, we all start somewhere. Yeah. Lots yeah, of, lot, there's, there's so many stories out there of kids that, like, their first wave was on, like, a coolie, or they stood up on a bodyboard. Yeah, or, absolutely. you know, a, a surf mat or something like, you know, something like that. But see, then when you think about it, like my, my personal experience of a, being an instinctual surfer, so not having been exposed to any surfing, but kind of like feeling it and, you know, you kind of know what, what you got to do. Yeah. And then in my travels, I came across all these little communities. They were really remote and really isolated. There's no way they had ever seen anyone surfing. But all the kids were just playing in the shore break with little pieces of ply and, you know, yeah. even sometimes fairly refined belly boards, what we would call belly boards. Yeah. With handles and all that. And they were completely proficient. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of like, you know, in their own way. Yeah. You know, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And they've never seen anyone surfing, you know, certain. Yeah. So it's just like so it I really I'm really fascinating when I, I'm really fascinated when I th- by the fact that all around the world there have been for thousands of years all these little communities that have developed their own surfing. Absolutely. You know, if you go to Peru and people have been riding, you know, waves back to shore on their canoes on their beautiful point breaks for thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah, those like reed, yeah, uh, yeah like yeah. with the big scoop at the yeah, front, yeah. Right, you know, and that's that's not surfing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're riding a wave, it's surfing. It doesn't matter a, if you're riding a wave intentionally. Yes, to to go from one place to another. That yes, is surfing. Absolutely, it's funny because I was um, I recorded an episode with Nathan Oldfield yep. yesterday, and we were talking about that, and he was talking about a trip where he went to Papua New Guinea with Tom Wegener. Yep. And he said that, like, the first day, he didn't really know what to expect, but they went to a really remote island. And um, the first day he set up to film, he said, like, all these little villager kids came out of the town. And he said he literally would watch the the fathers cut a big palm frond out of a tree and then, like, hack off the fronds and, like, shape it into, like, a little belly board thing. And they'd take them out and ride them. And he said he literally just was like had tears streaming down his face. He's like videoing and watching these kids do this. And just like you're saying, it's like. Absolutely. But see, like this happens, of course, in in Papua, but also Africa and South America. All the sort of communities, you know, they especially fishing communities, they they often have to navigate waves to get out at sea and come back. Yeah. They know what a wave yeah, they know how they know the the way around waves. Absolutely, and then the fun, you know, a lot of them. It's you know, it it's mostly kids because then once they get to a certain age, they they have to go to work. Yeah, so they have to go actually on the fish. Go fish, boat, yeah, you know? <laughs> get the food, and then they don't have time to play. But yeah, you know, while they do, while they're kids, they they and certainly absolutely. And it's funny because I feel like most of the people I talk to that are fortunate enough to surf throughout their life like i feel like we all say the same thing we all like i'm 50 years old and i still feel like a kid when i do it yeah like absolutely. It, it it brings back that kind of joy and that stoke and yeah the, um, the, um, the secret is just don't watch yourself on video <laughs> <laughs> or don't watch other people on video and no, then no, watch no, yourself no, 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 no you, you don't watch other people just don't don't let anyone film you yeah that, that's a trick yeah yeah absolutely 
because um, that's um they can really crush yes your ego <laughs> in, in no time <laughs> absolutely i'm unfortunately i'm very familiar with that <laughs> um so um as i told you the name of the podcast is surf stories yep and uh so in all these traveling to these 72 countries i'm gonna yep. put you on the spot a little bit like is there a story or two that kind of sticks out from all that traveling um, that you'd want to share? Like it could be, you know, terrifying or f- funny or um, educational or just awe-inspiring. Any, anything you can think of that you'd want to share? Um, well, you know, there are so many memories. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, like everyone, I've got my favorite places and favorite memories. Um, I think um, one of my favorite memories, my good friend, Phil Goodrich, he put it beautifully on this painting that um, you're looking at now. Yeah. Which is on my wall, which is depicts um, an old man sitting on a bench and he's um, wearing a really nice red suit. He's a he's a Haitian man, so he's a he's an older um, gentleman, and he's playing his saxophone. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a beautiful hat. Um, Haitians are really stylish. Yeah. Um, and they're really poor, but they're really stylish, um, yeah. which makes them extremely cool. And he's looking at this um, perfect little left-hander peeling, and um, there's this beautiful orange sunset sky in the in the background. And um, um, this painting is based on on one afternoon that Phil and I were surfing in Haiti on the south coast of Haiti, and we're surfing this beautiful left-hander at sunset. And it was mm. just like a little river mouth left-hander, probably only shoulder high but super clean as good as shoulder high wave cats and yeah. it's just him and I and it's about probably this time of the day so we're about to catch the last wave in and yeah th- this from the from the little village to comes this music you know just like someone playing saxophone hmm. and it was like so random yeah but it was so beautiful it was just like poetry yeah we both look at each other it was like what's going on this is just magic so that moment kind of like stayed with me and then i'm talking to phil and i said you gotta paint that for me yeah you know and you and and he did it beautifully so yeah he's a phenomenal artist i've actually i was fortunate enough to meet phil um down in panama in uh, boca del toro yeah. and he was doing some paintings for uh the crew there at red frog bungalows yeah. um, where we stayed and um yeah, he has such a unique style. Um, it's cool. Like you can kind of you can spot one of Phil's paintings absolutely pretty yeah. oh, pretty yeah. straight away. He's unique, which is awesome. And um, yeah, well, yeah, that's beautiful. It's funny because I I looked at that painting earlier, and I wondered if there was a story. Yeah, you know, no, with there, with the guy playing the saxophone. Yeah, there is a story there. All right, Bali's joined us on the couch. Yeah, Bali joined us on the couch. <laughs> I think. Um, He's having a little moment there. Yeah. Nice. It's <laughs> good. It's a family episode. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> that must be his favorite pillow. <laughs> it is. Awesome. Well, and any other story you got you want to share? Um. Well, you know, countless memorable surf sessions, but we all have that. Sure. Um, those um. But I think, you know, it's all the things that happen in between surf sessions that stay with you. Mm. Um, um, I got kidnapped once in Gabon. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, the story we need to hear. Yeah, I was, um, <laughs> I was filming. Um, um, I, w- I was there with Randy and John and a couple other guys, and we were. Um, I was. I decided I wanted to make a little um, movie about our trip. Okay. So I was. I decided I, I would film most of the things, and then I brought a friend to film the surfing, so I could surf. Okay. Um, and so I was filming in this neighborhood of um, Libreville, which is the main city, and just lifestyle things, you know, kind of like neighborhood vibes, you know. Yeah. People going about their business, but everything's so colorful and so cool. Yeah. Like that. You know, pretty much everything you film is just amazing. Yeah. And then... <laughs> hey, there's Bali. Um, <laughs> so beautiful, you know, those vibrant colors, and that's just a good vibe. Yeah. And it was just like nothing special, you know. And then this black SUV comes, um, and it's just like, you can't film here. And this, 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 uh, so black SUV pulls up next to me, and um, these two big local dudes all dressed in black it was just like out of a movie yeah I just grab my camera tripod everything just throw it in the car and and it was like you can't film here this this comes with us and i was like no that that doesn't so i just <laughs> jump in the car and they drove <laughs> off and so and and this you know they start screaming at me and it's just like you can't film here you don't have permission and i'm just like dude we're just like a bunch of surfers you know yeah I, is this because is there a police thing or is it like no 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 this is just like these guys these guys aren't police they're just no they're not police they're like private security guards oh. of this um you know how in i don't know if you know but kind of in africa there's all these scenes of like kind of pastors so religious kind of figures that have a lot of power and a lot of influence yeah so basically like we were filming in his hood and he thought that we were kind of trying to expose something. Uh, you know, ma- like like spy on them or something, yeah. Yeah, or just expose, you know, they're always up to no good. Sure. You know, this kind of... Um, so anyway, they took me to the compound. And because I, I just like, not, you're, not, you're not taking my camera. <laughs> yeah. You know, I go where the camera goes. Yeah. And, um, so they took me to the compound and then like, um, the, the reverend guy, um, he kind of lectured me and he just wanted to know you know, what I was up to, and I was like, look, we're just surfers, and we're on our way down the coast, but yeah. I'm just getting some lifestyle footage. And, um, you know, and the guys got pretty pretty violent, and, you know, and so eventually he wanted my passport, and he started threatening me, and so there was a bit of commotion there, and then at one point he pretended that um, he was about to call Barack Obama. He's like, I'm really good friends with Barack Obama. Oh, my gosh. So I'm, I'm going to get on the phone with him. Oh, that's you, amazing. And, and I'm just like, I'm not even American, so you can call, <laughs> you can, you can call Barack. But, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to have any effect. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and the one thing that I remember just before getting in the car, because my friends were, were there, so they all saw it happening. Yeah. And then I told my friend, if I'm not back by 6 p.m., um, call the call the Italian embassy. Yeah, yeah, know, and just tell him that you know I'm gone. Yeah, <laughs> and and then um, so I spent the whole afternoon there, and they locked me up in this room, and you know just like every now and then it would come, and there was a bit of commotion, and I was I would like, large. They like hit you yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a bit of that. Wow. Um, and I would hit them back, and so oh, no. 
<laughs> so it was a, well, you know, I was no just way. like, you know, it, it it got pretty intense, and um, yeah, and then um, finally we kind of came to, you know, they 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 knew they weren't gonna get anything out of me, and yeah, they knew I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm just like, okay, it's, it's here. Yeah, you, know, you do what you need to do. Call Barack and <laughs> <laughs> give him my regards. Uh, but I'll sit here with my. And so eventually, you know, they got bored and probably had better better things to do than deal with me. And so yeah. they, um, we settled on on this little deal that I would delete all my files. Okay, like, okay, you're gonna delete all your files, and so I was like, well, I only have my camera and sd card i don't have any laptop and he's like, oh you can use my laptop and i was like this thing is like 1978 <laughs> <laughs> so anyway but i pretended that i started deleting the files and he had no idea what i was doing oh nice you know so like then i kept all the files you know and some of them actually made it into the the actual movie oh and sweet and then the funny thing was when i was pretending to be doing this like i was on a little coffee table uh-huh. and so i had my camera i had his laptop well one of those old school laptops this is like 2010 but yeah would have literally would have been late 90s one of the early laptops wow and um and so i was i was pretending to be deleting the files of the card you know and and then so i was i was on my knees on this little coffee table and and he's what well, one of his um uh, bodyguards was kind of towering over me uh-huh and then my friends came storming in oh they found you they found me they <laughs> came storming in and literally one of them opened the door and what he sees is just like i'm kneeling down and in front of this huge <laughs> guy and literally later that night when they got me home it's like i seriously thought that I thought they were making you do something unspeakable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, he and, and he still teases me about it. So like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. What yeah. a story. What I a know. story. What and what was the what was your movie called? Mayumba. Mayumba. Yeah. So we 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 went to we traveled down to this um really remote point break um in the far south of Gabon. Okay. Um Pretty much, it's kind of like a series of point breaks. Okay. Really consistent. So um, there's, you know, kind of like top section is really consistent, breaks all the time, and it's, it's a fun, rippable wave. And then, like, on a bigger swell, um, you start surfing other sections further in, and the more in you get, the kind of like the hollow it gets. Okay. And um, so we, we spent, like, three weeks there, and we had a, an absolute ball. It was great. Wow. And is the and where can we find that movie? Well, so um, I always like to go against the grain, so I never put it online. So uh. it toured a bunch of festivals, and then okay. we, we have the the trailer has been on on Vimeo and YouTube um, since then. Okay, but I decided I would never put the thing the whole thing online because even by two thousand and ten, things would get lost. Yeah. I found that things would get lost in the internet and it would stay relevant for very little. So yeah. I'm just like, I don't really want this thing to get lost. Yeah. So I just, I'd rather kind of just know if people go to these festivals, these events, they, they're going to see it. Yeah. If not, you know, it's, I, I don't, you know, it's, it, it was just a self-funded passion project. Really. Yeah. So like we all pitched in a little bit and I did all the filming and oh, that's amazing. my friend filmed a little bit. So, 
you know, it's kind of like sitting in my hard drive. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to at least need to see it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a copy. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, well, Emmy, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and, oh, and chat with me and just uh, give us a little background on Italian surf culture and yeah, um, your, your role in that. And um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, you're a well-traveled man. And, um, and gosh, what an amazing story. I, I've, I've, been, I've been very lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I've been very lucky. I feel like if any of us that surf, I feel like we're lucky just right yes, off the bat. Absolutely, get to spend our our life in the ocean. Um, but thank you for sharing your time and your home. You're most welcome. And um, yeah, all right. We'll uh, we'll hopefully yeah, keep surfing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I just uh, I just want to take a second and try to set the scene of how idyllic that location, that situation was. We had I had met Emmy when I first got there to Byron Bay through my friend Joe that I was staying with, and uh, we had just been surfing, pumping point breaks and beach breaks around Byron Bay for like three weeks, and then I was sitting in the living room of Emmy's farmhouse on this beautiful 50-acre piece of land wow. outside of Byron Bay. The sun was setting. His dog, Bali, which you heard a couple times in the episode, was cruising around. The chickens out back. There's horses and donkeys. And, yeah, it's just an absolute dreamland. Australia wow. truly is the luckiest country. There you go. Yeah, fantastic. Sounds idyllic. I'd love to go check it out. Yeah, I'll be back for sure. So Okay. Yeah, come on down. Will you, like, introduce me to all your friends? Of course. Okay, good. I appreciate it. You. <laughs> You're not embarrassed of me? Nah, no, no, no. Here's Miller. Yeah. He's this, an accountant, this, by the way. He'll with, tell you. <laughs> he's with me this time. <laughs> oh, man. All right, cool. Yeah, I would love to go down there. No, nah, it, was, it was just such a warm place. Um, yeah, jo- Joseph has a really uh, great circle of friends that he was nice enough to introduce me around to, and I felt like, Sounds like it. Uh, Emmy and his partner Taylor uh, Miller, who incidentally is uh, Rusty Miller's daughter uh, okay. from uh, Morning of the Earth fame. Um, yeah. yeah, just a, a Unfortunately, phenomenal... no relation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no relation to you. I get that as but, a child. Yeah, they were just so welcoming. Um, they ended up loaning me a car. Wow. When I, you know, they were like, oh, you need a car. We have an extra one. It's like a friend's. And they, they said to loan it out when it's when it's appropriate and you need a car to go surf. You got to drive it from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Dude, that sounds like such a great trip. We're all jealous, but we also are all like aiming. Jealousy is such a shitty fucking word. I, I, meant to, <laughs> I mean to say like, you know, we just joke. Like yeah. we say we're jealous. We're really stoked for the people like Emmy who make it out of there, who make their life mission traveling. Yeah. Who, you know, sacrifice a lot to be able to do that. In some cases, you know, you, uh, you don't sacrifice much at all. If you just make it your, your life goal to get out on the road. Right. Yeah. And we didn't actually talk about it in the episode, but just a a little quick backstory. Emmy was a civil engineer in Italy, probably carving out a pretty nice living. Yeah. And just, became a little bit disenchanted with his situation and the situation of the country and was just like, I think I'm going to go somewhere else. And he had a girlfriend at the time and he was like, let's go to Byron Bay, Australia. 
let's see how it is. If it's cool, we'll stay. That's inspiring stuff. And yeah, 15 years later, different girlfriend now, but. Right. Yeah, just has carved out a beautiful life. In I heard, you know, the real estate market down there has gotten so overheated, it's hard to justify. But you slide in there and rent something if you want to stop by and say hello, I guess. Yeah, one of the cool things about that is that every uh, every home in Byron Bay has like an accessory dwelling unit or like a mother-in-law suite, you'd call it here, okay. or like a little separate, you know, trailer out back or a sprinter van or something. But everybody's got someone else living on their property yeah. to try to, you know, offset their increasing cost of living. Well, I've noticed a lot of people there are conscious of how much energy they use and like the yep. way they produce energy off the grid. And yeah, it's kind of nice to see. It's and well, I'll actually preface uh, another episode we have coming up with uh, Trisha Shantz, who is uh, coincidentally Rusty Miller's wife. Yeah. And uh, she went there as a backpacker, Canadian backpacker, and uh, met Rusty and never left. And now she's raised two beautiful daughters, uh, Taylor and Coco, Courtney. Um, Sounds Taylor, like a book. Taylor is uh, is Emmy's partner. Yeah. And yeah, it is a book. It's called Neverland. And it's the story of how uh, Byron Bay went from this real industrial whaling town to this beautiful, like, cultural center, you know. And surfers played a big part of that. And specifically surfers from Southern California and Southern Australia. They all came to Byron Bay kind of around the same time. Yeah. Nat Young, George Greeno. Have you gotten into the book yet? Bob Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. She gave me a copy, a beautiful signed copy. Oh, right. It was very nice. She signed it to my handsome firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let me know when you're done. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's all yours. Check it out. Well, this has been great. We've got to thank a couple of sponsors and uh, thank Emmy for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing his stories. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a fun time with uh, with Emmy and Taylor there. And um, yeah, Monster Energy, of course, our presenting sponsor of the film festival. Uh, couldn't do it without them. Yeah, Sunbum uh, and uh, Globe, Rourke, Yeti, all the boys. And then uh, Brian Don, Lehman. Yeah, Josh Wagner. Josh Wagner. The lawyer dude. Yeah, that's right. Just uh, getting into the June screening here. We've got Taylor Steele arriving on the 11th for a filmmaking residency for a week with eight very lucky associate artists in, in their early mid-career status. They're going to be uh, around for those five days leading up to the 16th and the 17th. Yeah, it's going to be really special. And then Friday night, of course, we're going to do a night with Taylor Steele. Yeah, our first like evening with uh, we, we've had him out before, but this will be an evening with Taylor Steele and uh, hopefully a few special guests, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't know. It's it's hard to predict with those. It's hard to predict who will show up. Yeah, you know? exactly. Kelly Slater showed up that one time. Yeah, I know. You never Believe know. Me. You never know who's going to show up at the Florida Surf Film Festivals. <laughs> you got to buy a ticket and be here in uh, order to see it. Right on, Roll. We uh, love doing this for everybody in the community that's what it's for and so we'll see you guys soon enough on june 16th and 17th and uh, thanks again for the podcast john Cheers.